We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. And this is the show where we'll go over we'll go over a bit about yesterday's slate. I did pretty well yesterday. Uh, and then we'll we'll talk a little bit about today's slate. I mean, it's a big slate, 14 games. I don't know. I don't know if we, we need to look at the weather. I don't know. I haven't looked at it much at all, but we'll take a first look. We'll answer some questions. We'll do what we normally do here strategy stuff with the youtube chat people i see you guys in here jupocalypse pug daddy matt mears tyler voss zach hobbs card fan santi multani yaz's army good morning people you know what you need to do first thing on the show keep my apple juice cold hit that thumbs up button hit the thumbs up button hit the subscribe button hit the notification bell hit everything just tap your mouse around do whatever you can on uh, on on the youtube screen it helps us out uh, we, we got a big day today, big day today. Uh, but yesterday, yesterday we had kind of had a night off unless you played like showdown MLB or something, or you could obviously could have played NBA, but I'm done with that. Uh, but yesterday was, it was a day slate. It was an eight game just during the day, one o'clock Easter. Oh, okay. We could do that. Uh, and, uh, and it worked out well. I mean, I, I played Toronto stacks. I played, I played a bunch of, I just stacks, uh, in the, in the 20 max. Came in third and fifth in the 20 max. Uh, good thing those lines were in the 20 max and not in the, the large field, the larger field eight, because it wouldn't it wouldn't have paid me as much, right? I got like a thousand and then like six hundred, and then I came in seventh and one twenty-one single entry. So that was pretty good. But if those lines were in the with the eighteen dollar whatever large field, it would have been like a hundred bucks or whatever. So good good luck to me there. That was great. Uh, but but yesterday we had uh, we had Andre, Andre Drizzy, here here he's he's new he's newer to to Roto Grinders he's he's on most of the basketball shows right now. No, he took down first place, first place in the backflip on DraftKings. 
with Cole Wheeler. See, you didn't even need, like, Cole barely, you didn't even need Cole. You could have played so many other pitchers, but he was so owned. Cole Wheeler, and then a Toronto-Detroit 5-3, right? Toronto put up 10 runs. Detroit put up nine runs. Fit in like this. There you go. You're done, right? You're done. That's it. 5-3, Toronto-Detroit. And we take a look down at the, at the top top lineups. We're going to see uh, Toronto. I mean, you, Sal Perez for three, right? Taiwan Walker, I had a bunch of him, right? Wheeler-Walker, right? Toronto, Oakland, one, you know, a Toronto, basically this is a five X, a naked five man. So it's a five man with three one-offs. Utica over here, right? Detroit. So we get a five man Detroit to Toronto and Max Kepler, chalk one-off over here with Wheeler and Woodruff. Veronosaurus Rex, Woodruff Walker. Okay, so no Wheeler. But still the Toronto, Toronto looks like one, two, three, four, five, Toronto, Jordan Alvarez at barely any ownership, double dong against Cole, uh, and Verdugo and Dozier, which who got a zero, who you didn't even need. A hub row over here, Wheeler Walker, Toronto looks like one, two, three, four, Toronto five man, Benatendi three, Sant- Santana nothing, I mean, you'd as long as you had, as long as you had a five man like Detroit or Toronto, you, had, you were pretty good. Here's a Toronto, another one. Acuna chalk one off. Framble Reyes Don. Drew Smiley's in this one. It's a Wheeler Smiley, RBX eighty eight. Similar, similar. I mean, you're gonna see similar type of lineups, right? I'd lineups they're very similar to this, right? Because I mean, not my my top score. I'd like. 204 and a 201, right? Like if I, if I was in, if my lineup was in this contest, it would have came in like eighth, right? Like it would have been like right under the cults or around here, seventh or eighth, seventh or eighth. I probably, I would have come in seventh, eighth, and like 11th, like seventh, 11th, but eighth, seventh only pays in this contest. Well, maybe it would have paid a thousand bucks, maybe. Right, about that. Yeah, it may have been actually the same. I came in third and fifth in the 20 max. If I came in seventh and 11th, I may have been the same amount of money anyway. Okay, okay. Maybe it doesn't, that ma- doesn't matter that much. But that was the key yesterday. Like, Cole was not necessary, although he was extremely high-owned. And uh, Toronto and Detroit. And it's kind of what I said on, on, on Grinders Live. On Grinders Live, I, 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 I told people what I was doing. I told them. Right, I said pitcher wise. I said Cole's in, playing in Yankee Stadium and not the greatest of matchups. Is he going to be necessary? Right, I thought one of the pitchers in the Woodruff Wheeler duel in Philadelphia. That, that that's that's what that I was going in that direction, and then Evaldi and Pineda, because I also played Texas, were the were the, probably the two best pitchers to try to find leverage against. So I played some Evaldi, but I also played Detroit stacks. I didn't play any Pineda. And I played Texas. I didn't play any Duffy. He was overpriced. And then I just found, I, I played Walker and Ryu. Like my best lineup actually had Hunju Ryu in it at 5% ownership. Because you still have to find, what, if I'm not playing that much Cole, and I'm not playing Woodruff and Wheeler in the same lineup, and I'm not playing like, I need to play, I need to play other, I need to play other pitchers, right? I played all the Wheeler. I played 70% Wheeler, so that helped. Yesterday, Wheeler was the top projected pitcher in the bat, raw points wise. 
So, so many people were playing cold. Wheeler projected higher than cold for raw points. So I just like, trust Derek Cardi's bat and just jam him in, right? Just jamming all the Wheeler that I can. And then you look at Slate IQ. I mean, this is I mean, this is what he do. I look, I see, okay, Washington and Atlanta over-owned, right? It shows right here, over-owned, right? Who, who's under-owned? Okay, who's under-owned? Yankees, under-owned. Royals, under-owned. Texas, under-owned. Who else? I mean, Detroit a little bit under-owned, a little bit, yes, I guess, over here. A lower win, win probability. Toronto's up there, but it's it's a little over-owned, depending on what your ownership projections were. But not horrible. It's still less owned than the Washington and Atlanta. So I'd play some Toronto, right? Played some Mets right here, Mets. Played some, played some Twins, right? You can build, still build lineups and tried to limit my, my like Acuna one-offs. I limited my Kepler one-offs, Benatendi one-offs, like the, 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 the high, the high owned one-offs. I kind of capped. I still played them, but there you go. They're, they're, what's so hard about this, right? I take a look. I take a look at the projections, the player projections from the bat who projects well. Oh, Atlanta and Washington. Oh, okay. Am I going to play all of them? No. Because everyone else is playing all of them. So who else can I play? That projects well enough that will be lower owned. And that that those are the teams. I mean, I, pretty much I played. I played no Washington Atlanta stacks. Played Yankees, Royals, Blue Jays, Boston, Red Sox, Rangers, Mets, Twins, some Cleveland and Detroit. There you go. But my top highest owned, I could even take a look here. What, what did I do yesterday? Yeah, my top two were the Yankees and the Rangers. Yankees, Rangers, Royals. So I had, I had all the Yankees, Rangers, and Royals. And then the other ones I had a little bit less of. But why would I? Yankees, Rangers, Royals. Look, Yankees, highest leverage. Royals, high leverage. Rangers, high leverage. I mean, like, look, it's you just sort by this leverage column. It's literally the top three. The Yankees actually did not project that well point per dollar, but they still had a high ceiling. Rangers projected well point per dollar. The Royals were in the middle somewhere. But that's it. That's yesterday's slate. And we could see here that most all the sharp people that towards the top that, I, that I'm looking at went over on Wheeler, under on Eovaldi. Well, not that much under. Mixed on Pineda. Still played some Duffy. I just, I don't know how you play Duffy at that price. Some played a bunch of walkers, some didn't. Same for Ryu. Okay, so I'm not crazy playing Ryu. A bunch of these other people played some Ryu, right? I see Neil playing some Ryu. Okay, that makes sense. Bro, uh, Flex plays some Ryu. Not concerned. And we take a look at all, including batters. I mean, we could see here. Look, look, I mean, look at look at this ownership for the for Washington Atlanta. Trey Turner, twenty five percent owned. Acuna, twenty eight. Albie's twenty two. So let's look at look at Atlanta. Acuna, twenty eight. Albie's twenty two. Riley, seventeen. Azuna, twelve. Right as a stack. Then we then we have Castro, fifteen percent. Gomes, twenty one percent. A catcher. Turner, 25%. Josh Harrison, 
just overowned. Were they the two best stacks in, in probability? But not that, yes, but not to that extent that they should be that owned in comparison to others. Minnesota was a little higher on than I thought. Well, Kepler, Kepler was cheap. So I, and of course he hit home run on the first at bat. But Kepler, Buxton 13, Cruz 10, Sano 10. Yeah, I think yeah, you, if I would have known they were a little, they were a little bit higher on than they should have been. I probably would have played a little bit less of them. But the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays were, Blue Jays were under-owned. Going up against Mike Fires, yeah. But in comparison, like in in, in, a, in a vacuum, the Oscar Hernandez, 9%, sounds like, okay, normal, right? Just in comparison to Atlanta and Washington. Just over-owned. Like Nate Lowe was owned on the Rangers, Right, but not many others. Willie Calhoun, 10%. Gallo, 9%. It's the Rangers. Under own in comparison to like playing Acuna and Turner and Albies. Like these guys are like twice, two, three times more owned than they should be. In comparison. Does it mean you play none of them? No, of course not. The reason they're owned is because they project same for Cole, 51%. Why is he 51% done? Because people don't want to play any other pitchers. But obviously, if you're building expensive stacks, that it's easy then. You play Wheeler, you play T1 Walker, and you build anything you want. That's what less people did, and that's why I do what less people do. I'm trying to win first place by yourself. That's it. Let's go into the YouTube chat some more. Edward Brown stacked Boston and Toronto yesterday with Houston one-offs. Didn't win any GPPs, but were profitable thanks to the relative value of the Houston one-offs. Yeah, because Cole was so owned. Obviously, in that lineup, you're not playing Garrett Cole. But you see, you see in the results, you didn't need Jordan Alvarez. Alvarez, Alvarez was 2.8% owned, hit two home runs, and wasn't in the winning lineup. And wasn't in most of the top lineups. Wasn't necessary. And he was low enough owned that it didn't kill you. Uh, Michael Lingenfelter says, played Toronto, Mets, Detroit stacks in my single entry. Unfortunately, Detroit and Toronto didn't end up in the same stacks. Still took down a top 10 finish. But happy with my process with Mets high ceiling and low ownership percentage. Yeah, I had Mets also. Neil O was asking how I lose his slate IQ. I, Paul, I just showed you. But all, you have to remember, slate IQ is a simulation based around the plate IQ player projections, not the bat. So you, ha- I have to mentally, these winner, right? This is based on on the plate IQ projections. The bat's going to be somewhat different. So based on the point per dollar value, more of a ceiling point per dollar value, I'm going to adjust mentally. Because sometimes, like like uh, Detroit, for instance, in the plate IQ projections was lower than the bat projections. So I need to know, I need to recognize that difference. Detroit projected a little a, 
maybe 10, 10, 15% better in, in, in the bat than on most, most other projection models. So this 1.7% win percentage maybe is really 2.5% based on the bat, which is the projection system that I use. So instead of it being 1.7, the field is going to, the ownership is going to stay the same. But there's a slightly better chance. The Yankees, for instance, in the, in the plate IQ projections was higher. The bat was actually a little bit lower. So this Yankees wasn't really six. If you if you did a simulation based on the bat projections, their win percentage wouldn't be 6%. It'd be more like 5.2% or something. It's still higher than their ownership. So it like, didn't matter to me. The Royals were actually a little higher in the bat than in the plate IQ projections. So instead of 5.8%, it's more like 6.5% or something. A little bit, bump it up a little still over the 4.1% of the field. So it's I'm still fine. And I'm still fine playing lineups and players from stacks that are negative leverage. It just means I need to combine them with lower owned pieces. So I'm still, I, I could still have them. Since yesterday I didn't, I could have had some Washington stacks. I could have had some brave stacks. I chose not to, but on some slates, I, I sometimes, okay, maybe you have a couple of them, but I just have to make sure that I have to get lower own pieces in them rather than go down and play Houston or something against Cole. It's like, even if there is positive leverage, it's just that the win chances are just so low. I'm just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to spend the money on it. It may be plus EV over a very large sample size, but it'll be such high variance that, just not willing to just put the investment in, in comparison to building other lines. That's like, it's not that hard. Sort by leverage and there you go. You're done. If you want to. What teams have a higher chance as a four or five man stack on DraftKings based on the plate IQ projections versus the field? Does it mean? Does it mean oh, I'm, I'm going to play 150 lineups and I'm going to play 100 Yankees lineups? No, of course not. I mean, you can just understand that if they don't come in, you lose. I mean, you lose almost everything. You just have to be a big enough bankroll to play every single day like that, rather than diversify. And no, because baseball has a high variance, anything can happen on any day. I mean, we see this in results DB. I mean, take a look. We rare, most sharp players don't, when they play 150 lineups, aren't playing, other than maybe at pitcher, aren't playing a million percent of things. Like Utica played 38%, played a bunch of bunch of the Washington Atlantic game. <clears throat> 41%, but they're not locking in people. If you take a look at Neil here, I mean... Other than the pitchers, like no one is more than like 15% owned, exposed, playing a bit of everything. Just playing a bit of every right. We see that. The Colts, right? You look down, okay, 20%, 20%, 20%, 24%, 24% with the Rangers. Right, you could see you could see the stacks that he played. Right, a lot of Rangers here. Yeah, 
but not like all in. Yes, I'm going to have all 150 times whatever it was, 16 bucks. That's $2,400. Just all in on the Rangers, all in on the Blue Jays, all in what it Baseball is way too high variance to, to do that for large bill GPPs. I mean, you can. You just you just have to be content with going going down, losing 2000 of 2400 by doing that. And the days that you win, you may win the whole thing. You may win the whole prize pool. You come in first, you come in fourth, you come in eighth, you come in tenth. You come, I mean, all your lineups towards there. So the swings are bigger. But obviously, if you're playing professionally, you you know you might sacrifice a little bit of that EV just to to lower your variance, have more consistent returns, rather than play seven hundred times and losing, and on the seven hundred and first time you're winning the entire prize pool. Uh, Ronald Coley, why was there negative leverage on Houston? If they're low owned and go off, negative leverage. Let me repeat myself. Negative leverage means when their chance, their probability of success is lower than what they will be owned. Okay? We have to we have to get this through our brains now. It's not being low owned or high owned. Leverage has nothing to do with ownership. It has to do with ownership comparable to their probability of success. That's it. If a team, let's say tonight, there's going to be a pitcher that's 92% owned. Do you fade them? Well, he's going to be high owned on a 14-game slate. I got to to fade him. No. Well, what's what's his probability of success? If his probability of success is 98%, which doesn't exist in baseball, he'd be low owned at 92% because his probability of success is 98%. So he's not high owned enough. He's not owned enough. He would get positive. That would be positive leverage. Now let's say you go down to the bottom. You say uh, uh, there's a there's a player, there's a team, there's a pitcher, whatever. That's going to be 05 percent owned, half a percent owned. Oh, I'm going to play that guy, right? Low owned. I want to play that. Well, what is what's his probability of success? Well, if his probability of success is 02 percent. That means he's he's overowned. At half a percent, he's overowned. Overowned. That's why you take a look at Slate. I mean, Slate IQ shows literally shows this. Based on based on based on the Slate IQ simulation, on the Plate IQ projections, based on the RG RG ownership projections. So if any of those things are off, obviously the, the numbers. Is Texas going to be 2.6% owned as aggregate, or are they going to be 3.4% owned? Well, it's going to change the numbers. So look, Washington, 9.7 chance of being in the winning lineup, the winning stack. The field's going to own them at 10.8%, which means the difference of 1.1% between the two, 10% in general, I mean, the proportionally, negative 10%. Atlanta, so, a lot of times, look, Washington and Atlanta, two most highest chance teams, stacks of being the winners yesterday. But they were overowned. Not dramatic. Based on these projections, Slate IQ would say that they're somewhat overowned. 
Turns out Atlanta and Washington were way more owned than even this. Doesn't mean they can't win. I mean, they're the highest team. I mean, look, combine these two together. 17, 19, what? 18% of the time, based on this simulation, either one of Washington or Atlanta wins. But 22% of the field hasn't. So it doesn't gain you much. As much as taking the Royals, who have a 5.8% chance of winning, they're only going to be on the 4.1%. Okay. So, you, But you take a look all the way at the bottom and go Houston. You go, well, Houston is going to be low-owned, but look at their chance of winning. 0.7% as a stack. The field's going to own them at 0.8%. It's literally the lowest stack that's going to be owned, but it's still too high-owned, according to Slate IQ. Philadelphia, same thing. Oh, there's a 0.6% chance of being in the winning lineup, but they're going to be on at 1%. Still too high on, right? In comparison to one another. St. Louis, same thing. But they're the lowest owned. Yeah, but they should be. They have the lowest chance of being in the winning lineup. And even though they're being barely owned, whatever they are owned, they're still too owned. That's what expected value is. Prob- the actual probability versus the odds that you're getting. So I'm looking for stacks. I'm looking for pictures. I'm looking for lineups in total that have this probability of getting first place that are going to be owned at less what they, what they should be. Not over what they should be. As long as the full lineup in general has a higher probability than what they will be owned. Give me as many of those lineups as I can. They can encompass 10 different teams, eight different pitchers, 50 different one-offs. Tyler Voss, when stacking a high leverage team like the Yankees, how much does leverage matter to you when it comes to the secondary stack? And let's say a three max 2K entry GPP, whatever fits. The full lineup. The lineup matters. I'll say this a million times. How much does it matter? As much as it should matter. I don't know what pictures are in there. I did, I'm building full lineups. I don't build secondary stacks. I don't pick pictures. I've never, this season, I've, I could probably, all seasons. I've never built the lineup one by one. Now I may enter it one by one, but I've never built the lineup one by one. That's not how you build lineups in any sport, in any DFS sport, ever. If you're saying, what picture do I play? Then what stack do I play? And then what ups do I play? You're doing it wrong. The question should be, what lineup are you playing? End lineup. Right? Take a look at DraftKings right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. What? How many spots have we got? Ten? What ten players are you playing? That's how you should be thinking. I'm going to play Flaherty, and then I'm going to play Faulty, and then I'm going to play... You shouldn't be doing this linearly. I'm going to put in 20 lineups. I'm going to look. All my build rules are there, whatever. I want to put it in stacks, 5X at 100%. What are the top 20 lineups? 
doesn't mean I'm going to play them. We'll see. I don't know. Obviously, it's going to be some, based on the bad projection, probably Flaherty, Rogers, Toronto. I'm going to guess. I barely looked this slight. Right here, look. There you go. <laughs> I didn't even do it. I mean, I barely looked. And I know exactly what the lineups are going to be. Flaherty, Rogers. Point per dollar wise, they're the two best point per dollar projected pitchers that have enough raw points. And the Blue Jays are the highest point per dollar. Right, We got the Astro right. That game. So I take a look. Rogers Flaherty with a Blue Jays stack. Two two Boston players in an Altuve there because we have cheap Jansen in here. We're not paying up 10K for a pitcher, right? Semi and the, the Blue Jays are kind of underpriced against Urquidy. Urquidy? Urquidity? Whatever. So I take a look and I go like, okay. What's the difference between these two lineups? Not much. What? Kyle Tucker instead. Basically, it's Kyle Tucker instead of Hunter Renfro. Kyle Tucker's projected at 8.06. Renfro is 8.47, median-wise. Does it really matter? No. Here, you have Renfro and Bregman. It's basically the same lineup, just instead of Devers, it's Bregman. Right? Devers projects for 10.04 median. Bregman, 9.49 median. Right? Here's Donaldson. I mean, it's pretty much the same lineups because I'm... Here's Otani. Okay, here's a here's an Astro stack with two Blue Jays. Otani against Urias. Still Rogers and Flaherty. Do we get anything other than Rogers and Flaherty? No, not in the top twenty. I'm also going to expect that the Blue Jays are going to be owned. Flaherty and Rogers are going to be owned. I mean, like these lineups may not have enough leverage. I don't know. I don't know what the ownership projections are going to be. So I'm building lineups. Do you see here? I'm not like what two pitchers, what not. I'm looking at lineups, like lineup lineups. Let's say we don't play. I want to build 20 lineups, but we don't play both Flaherty and Rogers. So what are those? What do those look like? Right. So I put the captain at 50 just to just to see. Let's just take a look, see. Okay. We still get still get Red Rogers Flaherty, but just let's see what's the first one without either of them, or one of them. Give me something, okay? Peterson Snell, Peterson and Snell with a twin stack. It clumps them together. Yeah, th- that, that's what I hate about this. It'll clump them together in twenty lineups. So you get the twin stack, but you're, you're losing ten points in projection here. But still, he's a five-three. Peterson Snell. Five, three, Twins and Blue Jays. Who says this isn't a bad lineup? We'll have to see what the ownership looks like. Here's a way if the Twins are lower owned, but not the low, low owned. You fade the two chalk pitchers. You're still playing kind of chalk Blue Jays bats and and you're playing a kind of somewhat off the board Minnesota stack. Somewhat. They'll still be owned. Playing Simmons instead. I don't know. You have to see what the starting lineup looks like. But this is what I mean by looking at lineups. Like, I, this is how I build lineups. I'm not building lineups by just tapping one by one. Who fits here and who fits there. A 14-game slate, I'm, I'm playing I'm playing five-man stacks. Here's Peterson Manea. Manaya. Similar type of situation, right? Minnesota, Toronto. Minnesota, Minnesota. Of course, I'm only building 20 lineups. I would You could look, look at lineups and build, build 100 of them. 
300 of them cap like you could do this for instance let's let's do let's let's do this as an example let's go where's my pictures okay just as an example okay i'm going to go to build rules i'm going to unique players just leave it at one leave whatever i'm going to put lineups to produce 100 just to make it a little bit quicker i'm going to set my hitter max exposure down to 20 and my pitcher max exposure to like I don't know, 40, right? Something like that. Just to see, just to basically, so I don't have to go and cap players' ownerships just so I'm not getting all Blue Jays, all Flaherty, all whatever. I'm just doing this just so I get them more diverse. So just like show me top projected stuff, but not like all of the same thing, right? Because I have unique players one, just like show me a little bit of everything, right? Maybe I even lower even more. Maybe I go 15% that and... And 35%, uh, I mean, whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm just doing this so, just so I, it doesn't show me like just all Blue Jays, right? Just all the time. It's like, oh, I'm just jamming all the Blue Jays. So yeah, maybe 40, 20, maybe just, just to get, we also don't want like it to like cap at a certain point and then just never give you Blue Jays, right? So let, let's build a hundred lineups. Just to look. This is not. This would not be my hundred build. This is. I'm, you're not building lineups. You're just looking. You're research. That's what we're doing here. To look at lineups, not look at players. There are players in lineups. Uh, Doug Montgomery asks: When using lineup HQ, is setting projections to bad X projections all I need to do to get the bet? Yeah, that's all you need to do. You don't need to upload anything. It's already in there. Tutorials always say upload. Well, you have to upload your lineups, right? You have to you have to upload your CSV for the, the actual DraftKings lineups. But you don't have to upload unless you're changing projections, unless you're building your own, unless you're downloading them and changing them and uploading them again. If you're not using custom projections, you never have to upload projections at all. If you have the bat, all you're doing is just selecting what, what there you go, bad X projections, done. They're in there. Uh, Craig Toe is asking about diversification. On Monday or Tuesday, you showed how to differentiate your team stacks from one another. You used the raise of an example and set a 10% primary stack. You said it is a 10% primary and 10% secondary. You don't want Meadows in all of them, so you set his max ownership to 15%. Will he be in 15 of your raise stacks, or maybe he's only 10% of your stacks? Maybe 5% is a one-off in other team stack. Yes, he could be in both, either. Okay, let's see. Okay. Let's look at the stacks. We got Toronto, Washington, Houston, Yankees, Twins. Okay, we have a whole bunch of stuff. A whole bunch of... Soon, soon you'll be able to click on these, and it'll go to your lineups. Soon, they're working on it for lineup HQ. Out to see all my Astro stacks, see all my Yankee stacks. We have no combos. We're just using five mans. So we just take a look at the pitchers, right? Basically, Peterson, Flaherty, Rogers, Manaya, Gallon, Snell. Okay. Okay. So obviously, the towards the top of fantasy projection, one eighteen. So like one eighteen is the top. What's the bottom? If I don't jam in Blue Jays and Flaherty and Rogers, let's see. 
95. Okay, not horrible. Right. Here, all the way at the bottom. 48-1. Right? Four, leaving 1,900 on the table. Playing the Giants. Stack. Goldsmith, Merrifield, Bogarts. Like, I, we don't have ownership on this, but this is probably... This is probably a way, way low, way low on line. Almost to the point where you probably you don't need to play it. Yeah, some of these lineups at the bottom are not are not excellent. There's an A stack. More giant stuff at the bottom. A's at the bottom. So it's just because I t- basically I've told it to just like at a certain point, don't give me any more of a certain player. I mean, like. 20%, it's going to, and I'll, most of these Blue Jays are in stacks, so I'm not going to get them in one-offs. I'm just looking. I'm looking at lineups. What comes in? So we got Blue Jay stacks at the top. Probably get Astros stacks. There's Astros stacks. Astros, Astros, Blue Jays, Blue Jays, Astros, right? I mean, it's going to use up all of them in the top. Here's the Tatis lineup. Still Rogers Flaherty. Right. I mean, it's going to give you all these kind of whatever. That's what you're looking at. Astro, Astros Madrigal. If he leads, if he bats second, then maybe he's a punt play at second base. Right. Looking through all of here. There's a Red Sox stack with all three outfielders Castro, Maldonado, still Rogers Flaherty. Because normally you do this and you still look at the you look at the ownership also, but we don't have ownership yet this early in the morning. But I'm just showing you an example of just like I'm looking through I'm looking at lineups, not players. Who do I want to play? No, I'm playing full, I'm playing 10, 10 players in a lineup. Then I would choose. John Carr, how many different stacks do you typically try to get exposure to in 20 max contests? The answer is it doesn't matter. One of the most often asked questions, and it doesn't matter. I could do all 20 of the same stack. I could do one of 20 stacks. What does it matter? There's no correct answer to that question. Depends on how much diversification you want. Right? As I say all the time, what's the difference? Here's two lineups. One's, if I told you that the expected value of both lineups are the same, let's say they're the same, they're exactly the same. Now, here's two lineups. Let's say there's 20 of them. Of, I've, I've them hidden. Like, they could be of different stacks of different everything. I could open the same expected value. This is an Astro stack. That's a Blue Jay stack. This one has Flaherty. This one doesn't have I mean... The combination of all the things in the lineup together equal the same expected value. So let's say, let's say you find 200 that are about the same. And you get to play 20 of them. Which 20 do you play? Mathematically, the answer is it doesn't matter. They're all the same. They're, they, they're all equal. They all have an equal expected value. Now, if you could play all 20 Blue Jay stacks if they're all equal. Five-man blue, you could. Now all the lines are correlated to one another. But over, uh, if you play this out 100,000 times, no matter what 20 of those lineups that you picked, you'll have the same amount of money at the end. Now, obviously, you've played two, 20 of the same stack. You, you're going to win a lot one time and lose a lot the, the other times. 
But over the long run, it's the same expected value. So what does it matter? So asking those types of questions, are they? there's no correct answer to that. Play 20, play 20 plus EV lineups. The highest EV lineups that you can. So happen to be eight Red Sox stacks? Okay, then so be it. You want to you want to play four stacks of five of them? Okay, as long as long as they're plus EV lineups, what does it matter? Michael Dampier says, "I look at Slate IQ at stack leverage, which is always is pretty much always the same depending on the slate size. Let's say the highest leverage is five three at twenty eight percent, then four four at fourteen percent. I realize it might not be this simple, but does Matt say to go all five three, assuming Slate IQ is accurate?" accurate now you need to understand the difference between expected value and diversification most most questions in dfs people get wrong because they think there's a correct answer how many stocks do i buy if you ask that to a stockbroker they'd look at you funny how many stocks do you, what kind of questions that buy whatever, whatever stocks you think are going to go up buy. Well, what happens if I only think it's going to be two? Well then buy those two, but what happens if I'm wrong? Well, since you only bought two stocks, if you're wrong on half of, if you're wrong on one of them, it's going to, you're going to lose a lot of money. Oh, so should I pick like six more stocks? I said, well, do you think they're going to go up? Well, I don't know. I said, well, you'd rather have less of 10 stocks than more of two stocks. If your if your goal is to lower your variance for the times that you're wrong versus the times that you're right. You know what you sh- if you knew if you knew the future for perfectly, you'd, whatever the stock is the hot they're going to go the highest you put all of your money in it. But you don't know that. So if 53 stacks show the highest expected value over the course of a million trials. It also loses often enough that, oh, well, I'm going to do all 155 threes. So so now you're locking yourself out of all one-offs. One guy triple dongs in another game and you don't have one. He's part of a five-man stack, but nope, the whole stack doesn't get there. The three-man stack doesn't get there either. You've now burned 150 lineups. Are you fine doing that? That's perfectly fine. So then I don't play all five threes. Then I should play half five threes. Well, play whatever whatever one you want. If I, if I told you that there's a, a die, it's a 500-sided die. And it pays one million to one if you guess it correctly. So the expected value on that die is is on that bet is is insane. You put down a dollar, you win a million dollars, a five hundred sided die. If you get, I guess three hundred eighty seven, and it comes out three hundred eighty seven. Okay, then we go to we go to a six sided die. I'll pay you eight to one on that. Right. It should pay six to one. Well, I'll pay eight to one. Okay. You get a little, you get a little expected. You get, you get whatever. You get a little nibble. That's actually, that's plus EV. 
Let's say you let's say you have uh, you, 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 you have a five thousand bucks, and that's all you have to, to your name. And I tell you, okay, you have to make thousand dollar bets. You have to make thousand dollar bets. You can't make anything lower than that. So you have five thousand dollars. You only have five of those bets. What are you gonna What are you gonna do? Well, I can tell you that I'm gonna be betting on the on on the six sided die and not the five hundred sided die. Because the likelihood of me running yes, it's a higher eat yes, so much expected value, but I'm gonna go broke by the time. Right, I can only realize that expected value. Now, yes, theoretically, on each on each roll, I get so much more, but then I'm broke after if I don't get it right in five rolls, I'm dead. The other one has less expense. Less, yes, it's less. It's still positive, but it's less. But I'm much more likely to make money short over the long run without risk of ruin in the first in the first bet. Now, let's say you could bet a dollar and you have $5,000. Well, now I'm much more likely to make bets on the 500-sided dive that pays me a million to one. So likelihood at a five, if I have a $5,000 bankroll, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit it 10 times, right? 50, right? 500, so I'd, one out of every 500 times, right? I have 10 times that amount. So I'm more likely to do that. Which which one is correct? The correct answer is if you have if you're down to your last thousand dollars and you only make one of those bets, is to bet on the million to one one. Even though you're going to be wrong 499 times. That if you just went by expected value, the problem is is that you can't just go by expected value because there's a finite amount of money that you have. So playing the highest possible expected value lineups may not be tenable for most people. Can you withstand those swings? Can you play some of those types of lineups? Yeah, in combination with lower types of lineups. So when you see on a slate where, oh, this team is going to be high-owned, over-owned, but high probability, like if you just X them out, all you're doing is introducing variance. You're adding, you, you have higher expected value lineups but your swings are going to be ginormous. I'm going to play all 1% lineups. Yeah, yeah, it comes in every once in a blue moon. So you're going to lose 700 slates in a row before you hit the one that you make all the money in. Do you have do you have enough money to stand losing 700 slates in a row? If you do, it's plus EV. If you don't, you're broke by the time you realize it. You can't. It could be the highest EV lineup there is. But if you don't hit it immediately, I mean, those types of lineups, you shouldn't be playing a ton of them. Some people make that mistake. I think more people make the mistake that they play to safe lineups. Oh, there's the highest probability. I'm going to play that with the chalk one off and the chalk two pitchers. And, oh, why aren't I winning GPPs? They they were the best plays. Yeah, you're going to min cash often, but you're going to slowly bleed your money away. But there's also the type of people that, Oh, I'm just going to X out all the the top three teams and the top three pitchers and then build from there. I'm going to play 150 lineups, spend $2,400. Oh, 
Why did I lose $2,200 on a slate? And then the next day, lose another $2,200 on a slate. Then on the next day, lose another $2,200. I'm playing plus EV. Yeah, and, and you probably are. You're probably playing a ton of plus EV lineups. But you realize all that expected, all that in one out of 500 slates, which means the other 499 slates, you're losing all your money. So those are, those are questions of diversification. Just like a stockbroker, a mutual fund person would tell you. Sure, if you could pick the right stocks that go up the most over the next 10 years, it'd be much better if you just compounded and put all your money into those stocks. But you're not sure. So do you? how much risk do you want to take? Would you rather aim for trying to get 50% returns over the next year? By jamming it, jamming all your money into three stocks that are high, highly volatile, that you may think are plus EV, and it may be absolutely correct. Or would you rather only put five percent of your portfolio in each of those, and then the other eighty-five percent you're putting into stuff that is lower, lower return, but more, more solid, more likely to give you a return? It may only be three percent. It may only be four percent. But you're more likely, as a whole, having 15% of your portfolio into those risky assets. You lower your return. You're lowering your ceiling, but you're also lowering your risk of ruin. So these types of questions are all based around diversification. If you were to play the top, if you were to just, just maximize for expected value in baseball, You'd probably, you'd probably lose almost all of your money 99% of the time. Like literally 99% of the time. Because the highest EV lineups are obviously the lowest owned lineups that have the most amount of leverage. Where you're stacking against both of the top two owned pitchers. And if you ran this, if you ran it out a million times. It shows it shows a thirty six percent return, a forty eight percent return. Oh, I should be playing those lines, yeah. But all of that return happens on one slate. Like it doesn't even come; it, it comes in last place every every other slate. So you can do that. That's why I said you can. You can play those lineups. Just know that the likelihood of you losing is extremely high, and when you win, you win the whole thing. You come in first place. And now you're going to play 20 lineups. Do you want to play 20 of all those types of lineups? You can. That would theoretically, if you had an unlimited bankroll, that's what you should be doing. But no one has an unlimited bankroll. So how much risk do you want to put in your 20 lineup portfolio? I don't mind playing a couple that are like that. I'm not going to play a couple that are like, oh, I guarantee myself a min cash type of like, I just don't, I don't play those lineups. You bleed your money away with those lineups. But I'm not looking for like the lineup that is like one in a million. That when that million, when that thing happens, yes, I win $100,000, but I've spent so much money in the process that it still comes out to be insanely profitable just doesn't happen that often it happens so rare once a season if that 
You did the math, that would be the highest expected value lineups. And if you play 150, then you just you have to expect to lose. If you play 150 lineups and you play like that, you're going to lose 2,000 a slate for, I don't know, 100 slates in a row. So do you have $200,000 to do that? I don't. But that mathematically would say, yeah, you should do that. Well, I mean, well, bankroll is a thing. Uncrabby Cabby. Hey, Jordan, I followed your process of selecting players for the player pool. Set stack percentage to equal 100. Example, 4443. The team stack percentage to equal 100. And then make sure to have enough players at each position and still get constricted by the optimizer. Try to run 150. What the hell am you doing wrong? Because you're constricting your settings too much. Not that complicated. Can you can you make can you make cheap stacks with cheap pitchers? What is there is there a setting in there that's not allowing you to do that? Is that what you want? You have to look at you have to look at the settings that you're telling the optimizer what to do. So obviously, you the user is doing something wrong. There's something that you're telling the optimizer to do that it can't do mathematically. Yes, I want to play 50% of the cheapest stack and 7 million percent of the cheapest pitchers, but I want you to use all 50,000 in salary. Well, how many line, those lineups don't exist. So maybe you have to lower your minimum salary in order to get those lineups. I want to get uh, a projection. I want to get... All of these people, but I only want to have a lineup that is 20% owned in total. But I want 7,000% Acuna. You can't, mathematically. You're telling the optimizer, you want a guy that's higher owned than what your lineup constraint is. So that's why I'm giving you nothing, or I'm giving you three lineups. That's why you should go through the tutorials. You should go through each individual setting. You should learn how to use the software. Then figure out what lineups you want to make. And then go in and tell it what to make. Once you actually learn how to use lineup HQ, you'll see that 95% of people that use it, use it incorrectly. But most people complain about the tool. There's been rarely a time, I've been using Lineup HQ for probably four years. There's rare, rarely, unless it's a bug bug, like someone's projection is like buggish. Sometimes you get, sometimes there are bug bugs. But outside of that, there's not, never been a time there's that I've not gotten lineups that I wanted to get. That it has not been my fault. That I'm that. Uh, why am I getting eighty percent of this guy? It's like, well, because he's the only shortstop in the pool, and I'm trying to jam it in. Oh, okay. Now I need to add shortstops or be fine with getting eighty percent of this guy. Okay. There's never been a time where I did. I understand exactly how an optimizer works. It's, it's a knapsack problem. You have to tell it. You know, you have all these settings to say, give me the best projected lineups using these variables. And being that if I set a zero or I set a nothing at default, it's just going to give me whatever, whatever is optimal, whatever gives you the most amount of median fantasy points. Hence why before, when I showed this example of 20% hitter exposure, 50, 40% pitcher exposure, just 
Just like I want to, so I don't have to go in and cap individual batters and everything just to go in and just show me a bunch of stuff, right? If I left it at a hundred, it's just going to show me all Blue Jays and all Rogers and Flaherty. But we have tools. We have tutorials on these. We have hours upon hours in Roto Academy. Hours. You could subscribe, hit the link in the description, get $10 off your first month. Literal hours upon hours upon hours upon hours of videos. All with Lineup HQ, all with the top players. Me, Scarlet Patrol, Britt, STL Cards, Noto. It's all this back catalogs of hours upon hours upon hours of video. Hours upon hours of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of words. Everything. All you have to do, it's in premium. All the content is there. I don't know why people don't watch it, right? So you could do that. And uh, I think I have someone at the door. So I'll get, I'm going to get out of here. Get out of here early. So Grinders Live coming up later today. Uh, NBA, MLB. Uh, hit the thumbs up button on your way out the door. And uh, I'll see you. I'll see you next week. Because I'm here always, 11 a.m. to uh, Eastern, Monday through Friday, for the DFS pregame show on RotoGrinders.com. Mm-hmm.